Smack dab in between two of the most well-known singles on Around the World of the Day is a quiet, introspective, and delicate love song titled Condition of the Heart. It's a song that takes nearly three minutes before Prince utters a single word. Returning to the show to discuss the lyrics to this beautifully arranged and performed gem is Jerry Bonner. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you for having me once again, Jason. You're welcome. Um, so we're here on around, around the World in a Day. We last spoke about Computer Blue, if I recall. Uh, a very different song than Condition of the Heart, I would say. Oh, yeah, totally. I feel like Condition of the Heart is a bit of a hot and cold song for people. I've heard quite a few that just don't really kind of connect with this particular song. Um, I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with it. I think it's like it's completely different and beautiful and and like I said already it almost takes three full minutes before you get a single word um, and so he's got this really long intro it takes a really long time to get where it's going almost to the point where some people would get bored maybe or um, yeah, you know once it gets there it's pretty fucking great so yeah this yeah. song is great and, and a lot of what i love about it as well besides just how it's kind of uh, laid out and presented to us is is prince's delivery uh, of the lyrics uh, how he sings them and evokes the emotions that he's trying to um convey here in the in the song and in the lyrics i really love his delivery yeah no doubt i mean um it's it is just one of those you know songs and, and I guess I you know and here's the thing of it I not to you know get weird about any kind of fandom or anything like that I I, I know what I like and I really don't care if you know the, you know people get hot and cold with things or like you said or you know I know I love it and mm-hmm. okay you have your own opinion if you think it's slow or you don't get it that's cool man but you know to me it yeah definitely has some uh, some real resonance and, and meaning yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And and there's plenty of fans of this song, too. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, generally speaking, people don't like this song from what I read. I think it's just I've seen it both ways, where there's folks like us that are really drawn to this song and, and, and its beauty. And it, the beauty in its kind of slow delivery and takes its time to get where it's going. And then when it gets there, it just really hits you hard. Um, well, other people... That's fine. They don't get it, but I've seen it both ways. I've seen like two two extreme ends of the spectrum. I guess is where I'm the kind of point I'm trying to make with this song. It's not universally loved, but it's loved by plenty of people still. Prince <laughs> kind of attempts to take us around the world in this song. Um, you know, not to play too much of a pun on on the title of the album, "Around the World in a Day," but you know, he he does. Uh, there's there's two verses in this particular song that mention locations outside of the United States and kind of give it like a, a, a you know, worldly vibe and, and make it more, um, take, kind of paint a picture of where he's going and, and, and give us a chance to kind of take a trip with him, uh, kind of a lovelorn trip with him, but and a sad trip, but a trip nonetheless. And this is just another kind of piece where I feel like Around the World in a Day album itself uh, has enough loose threads connecting it all together that while as a concept album, it may or may not fit that that categorization. But I mean, I, I just I just like the little callbacks to, 
you know, the, the worldliness of this particular song and then on an album called Around the World in a Day. It's just something I picked up. Um, you know, it, I've been listening to the song pretty much nonstop for the past couple of weeks. And um, it's one of those songs that I can play and then immediately play over, I think, because it doesn't, it's, it never got, it never really wore out its welcome. Like some songs of Prince's discography do, especially a lot of his, his 80s hits that you just can't escape and as good as they are. Sometimes you just don't want to hear them. You want to hear something um, that you maybe haven't already heard 10,000 times prior to putting it on. And this is one of those songs for me personally that even though I'm now a married man to uh, you know, 17 years and in, in counting, um, some of the emotional ties and relationship issues that he speaks to in this song can still be relatable even if they were, you know, it, I guess in this point, my distant past. I, I don't know if you kind of feel the same way about this song. Um, yeah, most definitely. I said when we when we get to um, you know the first uh, the first stanza there, I, I definitely have a, a story that relates most personally to my my own life, and we'll, you know we can talk about that then. But yes, this is a, a song that. To me, it's you know, I mean, obviously there there's the one you know the the one songs or the A songs and you know that everybody knows and everybody hears and but to me this is like a one A that you know really only fans kind of like like true fans kind of dig and when you get into it yeah like you said you can just listen to it over and over and it, honestly this is a song that never really fails to hit the same emotional notes like in me and myself when i hear it it always kind of still gives me that especially if to say with that you know the first stanza and the, the ending stanza you know coming back to the you know he kind of wraps it up you know nicely mm -hmm. at the end and you know with the letter and all that stuff and you know it, it always always gets me it always kind of still hits it hits me right where you know in, in the feels as they say so oh yeah and to that it's uh it's just, you know, a, a genius song, you know, and that's, it always will be. But yeah, said it's not, you have a lot of people who, you know, aren't the casual fan, you know, probably won't know it, but the hardcore fans I, or the, you know, even mildly hardcore would, would probably get, you know, and be like, oh yeah, that's a great song and understand it. So. Yeah. You would think, I mean, Around the World in a Day was a pretty popular album at the time. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, a lot of that popularity due to sales was as a direct result of it following up Purple Rain. We, I mean, nobody can deny that, that it benefited in, in and, terms of sales. Well, I mean, you, and you'll get to it, I'm sure, but, you know, Raspberry Beret, I mean, this is, it's a fucking banger. I mean, you know, you follow up with that, that's a, that's a classic, you know, pop hit. I mean, it's, it really is. Yeah. So, you know, you, you follow, and it's like, oh my God, who, you know, he just had this massive hit and look what he's doing now. He's doing like a Beatles type song and it's crazy good. And, and then, yeah, the rest of the album is a bit of a, a mix of, of different stuff, but that's a hook right there. I mean, that, that's a genius kind of hook. And then when I got the album, you know, it was like, this is, well, okay, this is different. I mean, but it's cool. But different, so yeah. And that was like, kind of the, you know, the thing that led into more of his, you know, obviously, I don't know how you want to say it, more expansive or meditative stuff that kind of went on, you know, in Sign of the Times and, you know, Love Sexy and etc. So, yeah, Condition of the Heart is kind of like one of those slow burn songs, and I mean slow burn literally because it takes forever to get going. Even though I don't, I don't feel antsy as the music progresses. 
but um, it does have that kind of slow burn quality to it. And I also, I think it's a little unassuming at times. You know, if you're, you've got Paisley Park on one end, that's the song that precedes it. And then right after it is Raspberry Beret. So if you're, I don't know, like looking at the track listing, you just bought it, it's 1985. You've already heard maybe Raspberry Beret. And you're just like, let's get to the, let's get to the hit. Oh my God, I've got this six and a half minute song and it's so, well, it's so boring, it's so slow. What is he talking about? Can I just fast forward through this? And that might have been, and I'm just um, you know, hypothesizing here, but that might have been some people's reaction first up is like, I need to get to Raspberry Beret. Why do I have to sit through this six and a half minute piano ballad to get to it? <laughs> Let me hit fast forward. Or you could, you know, jump the jump the needle on the record. I mean, if you wanted to hear it right away. But you, you, to me, yeah, it's, you know, you have to, I don't know. I, I remember being, you know, really moved by it, you know, for, for lack of a better term, when I, I first heard it. It delivers kind of its emotional gut punch at the end there. It's, it's kind of like, all right, well, that was pretty awesome. I mean, well, whoa, you know, and <laughs> I'm feeling things that I didn't think I was going to feel here, but okay. And, um, you know, but I'm with it. I'm, I'm digging it. And <laughs> well, that's cool that you uh, connected to the song right away because uh, I didn't. Um, it took me a little bit and I needed to spend some time with it. Uh, I was, I would have been 10 when this album came out and I did get it on tape. And I remember thinking the song was fine and everything, but I didn't, as a 10 year old, I really didn't connect with it. I wanted, I wanted Paisley Park. I wanted Raspberry Beret. I wanted Pop Life. Um, and so those were the songs that I was, you know, driven to play over and over again. This, and, and so when I, in my little example of somebody just eager to get to Raspberry Beret, I might have been projecting a bit because that's how I reacted to this song as a 10 year old. Now, am I alone in that? I doubt it, but um, I think it's really cool though that, that you did connect to it immediately because I did not. So I think uh, we have a very different, um, we, we came to the same place ultimately with this sure. song. It just took me longer and that's okay too. It just takes some, some songs takes people longer to really get it and really grasp what's being done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's just, you know, a little bit of maybe the difference in our ages. I mean, you were 10 and you really hadn't, and not that I had either. I mean, I, but I said I was like in eighth grade, and um, but I definitely had crushes and you know, kind of minor girlfriend type things, and I understood kind of a little bit of the heartbreak of it then, you know, mm-hmm. and I could feel that, and that's what I was kind of relating to. As a ten-year-old, I highly doubt that you, you know, no offense, but you you had those kind of emotions <laughs> going on at that point. At ten. Yeah. You didn't, no, you, I was you know, in fifth grade. No, I, yeah, I, I, I was some ladies, uh, man. I don't know, but. Of the heart. 
so I guess if we'll go through the lyrics now, I think it's now is as good as time as any. Oh, so, is that what we do here? I didn't realize. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> You've been on the show before. I don't know. It's been so long, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Well, let me remind you. Uh, the first verse goes, There was a girl in Paris whom he sent a letter to, hoping she would answer back. Now, wasn't that a foolhardy notion on the part of a sometimes lonely musician? Acting out a whim is only good for a condition of the heart. So right off the bat, he kind of uh, sets the stage for this intercontinental romance that he's attempting to partake in, initiate. It sounds like he's trying to initiate it by sending a letter, hoping that this girl in Paris would answer back. And we don't know yet what happened, but he calls himself a lonely musician. Um, and so, he, well, sometimes lonely. Sometimes lonely musician, right? So, right. So, at this time, at the time of writing the song, which I guess he was writing the song in, in like late '84, um, he called himself a sometimes lonely musician. Um, so, before I start getting into specifically some of the the notes that I have about this verse, I wanted to give you an opportunity to um, talk about this particular verse and then what connection you might have to it. The lyrics, that is. Yeah, I, I definitely do. Um, and, you know, just, I mean, thinking of it now, it's like when he wrote it, right? And this this is going to more pop culture stuff just real quick, is that, you know, I, I wonder why he was sometimes lonely. Because according to, you know, all the, the myths and legends and the, you know, the Chappelle show stuff, at this time, you know, he's hanging out with Rick James and Eddie Murphy and Charlie Murphy. I mean, that's when that's set. It's like that 84, 85 period. That that's kind of a just a funny thing is why is he sometimes lonely? He had, he had the world as his oyster, I guess, mm-hmm. and I guess you know, that that shows you maybe that celebrity isn't all it's cracked up to be. I mean, which is kind yeah. of proven here and there, you know, proven no, not here and there quite often, as it turns out. But anyway, my personal connection. Okay, so and it wasn't until much later that it really, really hit. Um, this was I was. This was, I guess, it was 1998. Um, my my father had passed away that year, and I, I was dating this girl that I was kind of madly in love with, and she was for it seemed to be for a bit, but then I don't know, kind of other forces and other things kind of pulled her away, and then she went to like, you know, I was already you know done with college and all that, and was kind of you know working. I was working at a newspaper at the time and all that stuff, and. Um, but she went, she decided that she was going to go to grad school in Pittsburgh for, for theater. And I don't know, things started getting weird. And as they do, unfortunately, with, you know, trying to keep up like a a long distance relationship. And then, you know, she was supposed to come home for a wedding. Um, you know, my cousin's wedding and then actually physically, and the internet was a thing then. I mean, you, you could, and you know, I, you know, whatever send, but she actually physically sent me like a letter, letter, a real written handwritten mm-hmm. letter, which I wasn't expecting. And it wasn't like a John Doe letter per se, but it was kind of in that vein because she called me like a friend a couple times in the letter. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. slow your roll here, honey. We're, I think we're more than that. We've established this. And, but, you know, as I said, she was whatever, you know, 400 miles away at this point in Pittsburgh. And um, so at first I was like, okay, I kind of wrote like as this similar letter back. But then I was just like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this. I'm, you know, I, why am I writing this dumb crap? You know, I'm just going to write 
exactly what I'm feeling. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just lay it on the line, just say everything that I'm thinking, and you know, and, and not pull any punches. Just like, to, and to this day, I, I, you know, I wish I still had a copy of it, but I don't. I still think, and it was pithy. It wasn't like this long rambling nonsense thing with a lot. Of, you know, it, it was just like maybe it was yeah a page maybe. And um, I just said exactly how I felt, why I felt this way, and what I saw, you know, what I hoped our future could be. And to this day, I still say I, I think that was probably the greatest thing I've ever written. I mean, I, I really believe that. Anyway, so, you know, I, I send the letter back, and as you're probably guessing, I, I never got a response. I sent a, you know, a letter to a girl in Pittsburgh and hoping she would answer back. Mm-hmm. And she never did. You know, you say it's, and then it was weird because later, a little, well, not, a good bit later on, I would say, well, not that much later on, I guess like five years later, and this is kind of the weird uh, epilogue to the story. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, it was an odd kind of circumstance. This one day, you know, just cruising internet, I, I, it wasn't, this was before like Reddit was a thing. Like, if you, I don't know if anybody remembers Dig, but Dig kind of was Reddit before Reddit. And, they did kind of the same thing, you know, with, they would take all these, you know, just accrue all these stories from around the internet. People would submit them and then they'd get kind of ranked in different areas and people would vote for them up and down and blah, blah, blah. Similar, you know, whole similar thing. Reddit basically stole their, their format. But anyway, so I came across this story on Dig and it was similar in a lot of ways. It, it, it basically it was two people in two, a couple in Europe, they were younger, uh, they met, they, I think one was lived in England and the other one lived in like Spain, I think if I recall correctly. And they had met over a summer after high school at like some kind of, you know, those, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, like leadership events or something of that nature. And they had really hit it off and, and then they, you know, they separated after the, you know, whatever the month or two they were together. But the, the you know, the guy, well, I think actually, I think it was the, as I'm recalling the girl you know, kind of didn't give up. And a few months after, I guess, that, she had written a letter. And she never got a response. You know, and then they you know, just went their separate ways and, you know, and lived their lives. Both of them, you know, got married and blah, blah, blah. But as it turns out, what happened, the letter was delivered. But I guess whoever got the mail at the guy's house put it up on their mantle. And somehow it got, like, behind something, like a picture or something like that. And when these people, this family went to move finally, you know, they took all the stuff down and they found this letter behind the picture. Wow. And it's a good, yeah, a good 20 years later, right? And so, you know, finally, I guess whoever, you know, found it, gave it to the, the guy and he read it and was like, oh my God, I, you know, I missed out on this opportunity. And at this point, you know, I think fortuitously, both of them were, were single. <laughs> And, you know, they, whatever got, you know, they had gotten married, gotten divorced, you know, whatever the, the story was. And, um, yeah, they, I mean, he followed up and tracked her down and, and, you know, because of this letter and yeah, they, they got to get, I mean, at least at that point, whatever it was, I say like 2004, 2005, when I read this, they were, you know, they got together again and, you know, were in love and all that happy crap. And, um, so that, you know, 
idiot me <laughs> thinks, well, maybe that was a similar case. Maybe, oh my God, maybe she never got it. Maybe it got lost or some weird crap. I don't know. I mean, I, I remember thinking that at the time. It was like, how, she could, how could you ignore that? But the, again, I mean, this, this, this story, you know, put kind of lit a fire under my ass in a, in a way. And so I, I tracked her down. Like, I, you know, the internet, the internet at that point was a thing. And like, and I could, you know, so I did actually like track her down and send an email. Um, to which I got a response um, from her husband. <laughs> I didn't know she was married. And the husband was like, yeah, don't ever contact her again. And I was like, because I said I, I linked to the story and everything, not trying to be like a weirdo or stalker or whatever. But, I, you know, this story, you know, it's like, how could I do? Man, that sounds, oh, wow, well, maybe she just didn't get the letter or maybe whatever. And so, yeah, and I got this kind of, whatever you call it, the cease and desist order from the husband. <laughs> yeah. And I just kind of went, yeah, I emailed back and I said, look, I had no idea she was married. I apologize. And, uh, yeah, I'm done. And I'm, you know, I'll never contact her again. And I never have. But, um, you know, that, that song really, this song closer to the heart really came back. And, you know, I, like you said, I just, it was one of those songs that I just kept playing and just, you know, and it, even though it made me feel horrible in a certain way, it was a good kind of horrible, if that, if that makes sense. It, it, it kind of, comforted me in, in a way if this kind of, if the same thing could happen to prince an international genius music superstar where he sent a, a letter to someone that he thought you know he loved or you know she loved him and she never responded well then you know i, I guess i shouldn't feel so bad but um it definitely you know was the song then that i just kept you know repeating and you know, and, and came back to again and again, especially in that time period. And then again, you know, I, I did haul it out. Like, I'm not going to lie in that, you know, that whatever it was, 2004, 2005, and kind of listen to it again and be like, mm, you know, dredge up those old weird feelings. But so it's hey. kind of like your go-to, um, you know, pity parties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's a good way to sum it up. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, no it's, look, it, that is perfect. I mean, I'm not, I don't deny it. It's, I shouldn't do that. I, you know, you shouldn't indulge. And I know that. It's like you don't, you know, don't, you know, this is a road you probably shouldn't go down. But, it, but every you once know, in a while you want to go down it. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, I don't, you know, yeah. should I, I listened to, you know, the album again today before coming on here. And it's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It, I can't say. Yeah, it does. Uh, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, I don't think of those things or think of maybe what could have been or should have been or, you know, I wanted to be. But ultimately, those things didn't come to pass. So, but I, I can still, oh, yeah. there's no point in, in, you know, I mean, there's nothing horrible in, you know, indulging in a little bit of, I don't know, whatever, like you said, pity or, or fantasy or whatever. So, at least in my mind, you know. No, I, I agree. And I think, like, in your example, you know, it was literally sending a letter. But I think a lot of people can relate to just the the notion of, of putting your heart on your sleeve, putting yourself out there, um, and, and then not getting the response back that you're hoping for, and in some cases getting no response back, which I don't know. I mean, what would have been worse for you? Would it have been another letter back saying that it's not gonna. It's not gonna work out. I'm not interested. I need we blah blah blah, or just getting nothing. I would think nothing would be worse. Yeah, nothing's worse. Yeah, because you yeah. said like then that's the thing. If I had gotten a definitive answer back, obviously that story several years later, you know, with the the people in Europe wouldn't have been like a like a kind of a, a flashpoint or something. It wouldn't have. I would have probably went. Oh, that's kind of interesting and da da da. But 
if I had gotten a definitive answer back, I wouldn't have thought to myself, oh my God, maybe it was lost, like this letter, you know, and that's the, you know, you, oh, geez, and, you know, it starts working on your mind a, a little bit, and, you know, so if I had gotten, yeah, the, I mean, the not knowing is the worst part, for sure. Right, right, you couldn't, you couldn't ask her to check her spam folder to see if your email went straight to the spam, so <laughs> you're just kind of wondering, to scratch your head, did she even get it? You can't really block the mailman, but... So thank you for sharing that story. Much appreciated. No problem. uh, Brings the lyrics and a song like this kind of um, full circle and kind of how some of these songs that Prince writes really hit home for some more than others. And and that's what's really kind of cool about music and cool about the lyrics to music is something that just really hits somebody hard because of what they went through and, and any parallels that they can make to the song. And then another person can listen to it and feel nothing. And both reactions are accept- completely acceptable. Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I'll go one step further even. I mean, I, I, when I like sing along to this song, I actually still say there was a girl in Pittsburgh. I don't say there, there was a girl in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, cool. You know, it yeah. makes it kind of your own. Your own no, totally. I, I still yeah. sing it that way. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, with the first verse, I think some of the interesting things that I wanted to quickly mention about this first verse is Prince is speaking in the third person, even though he kind of per, uh, attempts to provide enough clues to allow you believe that he's singing about himself. You know, the whole sometimes lonely musician line. So he, he's singing in third person, but you kind of get the impression that he's singing about himself. Is that what you get out of that, too? Oh, totally. I mean, I, I never for a moment thought that he was singing of anyone other than himself. Another lonely musician? Right. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Not for, I mean, you know, if somebody has proof that it's he's singing about someone other than himself, then fine. But no, I, I don't think for a second that he's not singing about himself here. And, but he's singing, obviously, you know, and maybe that's how he could get this painful experience out in a way. He's, he's detaching himself a little bit in, sure. by singing in the third person, not saying I sent a letter to this, you know, girl in Paris and she didn't answer. And what am I, you know, what am I going to do about that? Right. You know? Um, so I think maybe that's a, a little bit of a, a coping mechanism, but uh, still not, not a terrible one. You know, it just, it kind of adds a little mystery, I guess, to the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And another thing, and you kind of already, and you pretty much already touched on it, so I'll just mention it briefly, but the whole aspect of him calling himself lonely and putting that into context of where he was in his life, which you already did with, uh, just, you know, mentioning the the Dave Chappelle show and where, he, I mean, he was late 1984. He was the biggest that he would ever be in terms of his career and in terms of his popularity. But that just kind of goes to show you, if he was in a place where he could call himself sometimes lonely, or even use the word lonely to um, describe himself whatsoever, that just kind of goes to, to show that being surrounded by people all the time, especially if they're employees, people who are answering to you and, and you're kind of, they're on the payroll, so to speak, uh, that doesn't mean that at the end of the day when he's you know, all by himself and just alone with his thoughts, that he wouldn't necessarily feel uh, loneliness and wanting that emotional connection that he was either missing at the time or was trying to uh, woo somebody 
Um, you know, there's a number of, of women in his life around this time that, you know, if, if this were to be a true story, if this were to have some truth to it, even if it didn't involve a woman in Paris, um, you know, one could make some connections to a number of different women that he was kind of seeing at the time or trying to see at the time. So I just thought it was interesting about, you know, the, the most popular part of his career and uh, he's still calling himself a lone, sometimes lonely musician. And then the line, acting out a whim, um, I just take that to mean like he shot his shot. <laughs> like they say, go shoot your shot, you know, and he did. He shot his shot with this girl in Paris by sending a letter and it didn't, you know, it um, basically banked off the, the rim. So he didn't didn't make it. Yeah, no, that, and that's still, I think that's the line, and you know, in, in that, you know that that stanza there that really gets me is like acting on a whim is only good for a condition of the heart yeah i mean and i said that personal story obviously is the kind of the if you want to call it the, the punchline i guess to you know whatever it, and a lot of people i you know and i've never been that way and i think a lot of people will shy away from that like they they think that maybe not that it's great but you know the, the the crushed feeling afterwards if you don't you know get what you want or you don't think you know what's gonna you know it doesn't connect the way you think it should um would is worse you know that's the that's the terrible part and it's not great but the not knowing again like i said i think is, is worse too it's like well i i love this girl i'm not just gonna let her go you know i have to say something yeah yeah so, it goes it, <laughs> it goes hand in hand with the whole notion of You'll never get what you want if you don't go for it. If you don't try, and exactly. Just like, if you don't try, you'll never, you'll never know. And there is the yeah. to, you know, fall off the, uh, fall off the cliff, or you know, the great line from, uh, and I think it's too literary here, but the great line from uh, Cyrano de Bergerac: "When you reach for a star, you know, there's a long way to fall." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what this is basically saying. Yeah. And you have to understand that, and under, you know, understand that yeah, you, when you hit the ground, it, it's going to suck. <laughs> but you reached for that star, nonetheless. All right. Um, so that's the first verse, and then before he even goes into a chorus, he goes right into the next one. So it takes him a long time to get to the lyrics. But when he does, you know, he, he's 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 on it. You know, he yeah. really just starts the rest of the song. Pretty much has got lyrics. So it's basically two halves of a six and a half minute song without and with. next verse is there was a dame from london who insisted that he love her then left him for a real prince from arabia now isn't that a shame that sometimes money buys you everything and nothing love it only seems to buy a terminal condition of the heart okay so second verse um here he's taken uh, you know us to another place now we're in london whether or not these are real people that he met, I think that is highly debatable. Uh, but, you know, if it's just lyrics to a song, I think he's just, um, I think he likes the idea of, 
of it being like a at this point he's been a world traveler world tours so the fact that he's been around the world and he was able to meet people from different countries and and meet pretty pretty women um sure he could have a crush in paris or a crush in london it's it just once again it kind of takes us out of our ourselves and out of our you know our element a little bit and and transport us to these foreign countries or you know if you live in paris and london and you listen to a song and you know there's a cool callback to your city or your your country um but for us in america it's like oh cool you know he's got these these dames all over the world that he's fancying so now he's in the uk and he's got one in london and i thought like the second line is kind of cool because it tripped me up originally there was a dame from london who insisted that he love her and i thought like well shouldn't that say who insisted that she love him but uh now i'm like no wait she's telling him you need to love me <laughs> i insist that you love me allegedly that's what i get from this then yeah when i again i mean you know hearing it back in the day and you know, I said being in, you know, like 14 or whatever and in like eighth grade, it was, it was a neat twist to hear that rather than, you know, just the guy pursuing the girl, this girl was, you know, clearly pursuing him. I mean, that's yeah. what I took from it. Yeah. And this, this whole notion that she pursued him initially, but then ultimately left him, it kind of begs the question, what happened? What, how, why did she do a, such a 180 on it where she was the one pursuing him? And then left him for a real prince from Arabia. Well, I mean, the, the the clear answer, obviously, and I guess maybe we're gonna get to that. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, you know, money talks and bullshit runs a marathon. Yeah. I mean, not to not to Prince didn't have money, but I don't at that you know at that point. But um, I'm sure a prince from Arabia had you know, ten or twenty times what what Prince had. Yeah, and unfortunately, just, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. yeah. This this woman obviously was one of those, but. You know, it still hurts, you know, a little bit. I and mean, then there's a bit of that sting, clearly, you know, when somebody chooses someone over you for whatever reason. So, yeah, and that's what he's kind of relating to at the end, obviously. Or you're going to get to that, I'm sure. And I've just spoke about it, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Spoilers, right? Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right. Like 35-year-old song. Um, so the, for the second verse in a row, Prince uh, makes some sort of coy attempt to put himself in these lyrics you know first we had the sometimes lonely musician then in second verse left him for a real prince not you know me who's just a guy named prince from minneapolis who just happens to be a really brilliant musician um so <laughs> so once again he's still speaking in the third person but once again he puts the clues in the verses that this song is supposed to be you know, he's the protagonist in this song. He's singing about that has this condition of the heart. And the whole, sometimes money buys you everything and nothing. But love, it only seems to buy you a terminal condition of the heart. So it's dangerous to fall in love uh, because the end result could be heartbreak. With, I think one thing that was really kind of clever with putting himself in these lyrics, even if it's done uh, covertly in a way even though it's still pretty obvious to really anybody uh, but not just saying I you know like I said the whole third person thing but what I think what it, what it does that's really kind of cool is 
if you think that, if you believe that these are things that really happened to Prince, like he really did meet a girl in Paris that he sent a letter to, and he really did have a dame from London that left her for a prince from Arabia, then the delivery that he has in this song, you know, the emotion that he conveys in the song, a real heartbreak, you know, it's more believable if you think that it really happened to him. You you buy into that. That's how I like it. That's That's what I think about when I think when somebody tries to insert themselves in a very obvious way into a song like this. It's like, wow, this this could have really happened. And I totally am on board with with this song's emotions now. Um, totally. I mean, in my mind, these things happen. I mean, he's he's writing biographical stuff or autobiographical stuff. I mean, I, I that's what I always took away from it. I mean, the, the way you know how you can hear, you know, the kind of the the the, the passion and the, and the pathos in his voice, at least in my mind. You know, when he's singing about these things, you know, he gets, he's almost getting kind of angry. Now, isn't that a shame? You know, and it could be, you know, kind of the, the, the bombast maybe of the song. But in my mind, I mean, I don't know. It, it, if as an artist, you bring what's inside you to it, right? It's, you know, and if he didn't, you know, you have to well up that emotion and that power to kind of get somewhere. And if you're thinking about something, you're thinking about maybe this person or this situation and it makes you angry or sad or, you know, however... Um, mm-hmm. you, you can you can tap into that to make this piece of art you know something else something better something greater and again yeah in my mind I mean I don't know I think these things were real he was tapping into real stuff that happened to him yeah <laughs> all that matters is that we think that he did because then that once again that really makes the song that much more compelling and you know believable and we believe the emotion we believe him when he sings the song and the way he sings it so Okay, so anyway, the the chorus then is thinking about you driving me crazy. Then he says, oh, my friends all say it's just a phase. Every day is a yellow day. I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. Okay, so the chorus is kind of cool. I really really like the chorus. I like how he sings it primarily. Um, But, you know, the words are cool too. The words have some interesting... Uh, there's some interesting metaphors here, I think. So, Jerry, what are what are some of the things that you kind of look at when you're thinking of the chorus? What are some of the the emotions and some of the um, the pictures that it paints for you? Um, you know, again, I guess you know, harkening back to my personal experience, when you're thinking about you driving me crazy, you know, it's definitely something I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, you know, especially when you know there's a situation where it's not working out quite the way you want it to, you know the, the thoughts that you have in your mind will, you know, can drive you mad. I mean, it, it may not even be anything reality, but what you're concocting in your mind is a thousand times worse than probably what the reality is. And um, you know, and then your friends, you know, try and help, but you know, maybe they're not such a great help. They just kind of want you to, you know, be yourself. And it, but it's like, yeah, okay. You're, you're trying, but you're not um, helping all that much, unfortunately. It's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just, 
you know, it's whatever you're saying is just kind of falling on deaf ears. And well, they and, want you to get, they want you to get over it. Right? Sure, and they want you to be your jovial self. And you know, well, it's not, it's not, that guy's not coming out to play today, guys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I got. I'm thinking about other shit. I got things on my mind. And yeah, and then the well, and the whole like blinded by the daisies in your yard. Now this is. What I've, I mean, this is more recent. When I was younger, obviously, I, I was always kind of perplexed by those lines. Um, but it seems in the few, last few years that there's been maybe a bit of a, a revelation or stories about that. And I'm sure maybe you've either read them or heard them. That around this time, Prince had like a, a personal assistant that he really was enamored with. And she used to plant flowers and stuff like that, which is referred to in Nothing Compares to You as well. Um, and I now hearing that, clicked to me immediately to this woman like he was he's talking about her maybe i'm blinded by the daisies in your yard now it could mean something completely different but that kind of clicked that song you know because they were basically referring more to to the the stuff in nothing compares to you um you know all the flowers mama that you planted in the backyard all died when you went away but it's written around the same time yeah exactly and so that with the daisies in the yard i did oh now i kind of understand what he's referring to here maybe because mm-hmm. it said up until that point i you know i never really quite understood what he was referring to and maybe it was something super personal to him and that would make sense in my mind that that's what he was talking about here oh yeah that's very personal i mean if that if that's what he was referring to when writing these lyrics then it's like nobody's gonna know that except for him Nobody's going to know that. Well, and then her, hopefully. That well, maybe her, she, hopefully, she's yeah. reaching out to her in a sense. I think sometimes, I mean, well, not, I think a lot of times these artists, you know, I think he's still maybe her, you know, lobbing missiles here and hoping things hit. You know, maybe she, she'll hear this and she'll come back or she'll be moved by it. And I don't know. It doesn't hurt to try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and even though nobody else but maybe Prince and this woman would have any kind of indication what he's referring to about the daisies in your yard. I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. It's still, a, it paints a very vivid picture for the listener and it, it, it's a it's a memorable line and you can apply that and mean a lot of different things. Blinded by the daisies in your yard can just mean blinded by your beauty. Um, sure, yeah. It could mean something like, like uh, a daisy is just a metaphor for something else blinded by, I mean, besides beauty and, and the literal daisies, and you just don't know what that is. But whatever it is, whatever this person has that attracts Prince, or, you know, the character he's singing from, if it's not Prince, it's it's so blinding, it's so brilliant, it's so amazing that, you know, every, every day he's thinking about her, it's driving him crazy. Yeah. Every day's a yellow day. And so I guess what I get out of every day is a yellow day. I mean, so yellow is kind of supposed to represent like sunniness and happiness and, um, you know, good things, positive things. And up until this point, both of the first two verses of the song are kind of, they're telling, telling sad stories of heartbreak. But in this, but that's why it's a little, it's a little confusing, but not it's confusing and maybe a little bit of a um, a way to also express that in spite of, of these incidences, these negative incidences of, of heartbreak and failed attempts at wooing, wooing a woman, every day is a yellow day if he's thinking about this person because she apparently has some sort of spell on him and, and allows him to kind of uh, 
feel good about himself and feel good about his chances. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I get some positive vibes from that, even though it's a chorus and a song about heartbreak. Maybe, maybe I'm just not seeing something with the "every day is a yellow day" line and I'm that other people do. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. It's I, it seems like an odd gear shift. You know, I mean, say, thinking about you driving me crazy. My friends all say it's just a phase. You know, but uh, and then it's like, oh, you know, every day is a yellow day, and I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. And it could be completely that, like. You know, I'm blinded by your beauty. I'm blinded by you know something about you. Something about you really captured me. And and I said it it it, it was a line. You know, those last couple lines of the chorus always kind of said mystified me. But it kind of crystallized a little bit. I said hearing those stories about this, you know, this personal assistant. That's to me what it, what. It, and fr- from that point forward, I kind of equated it to that. So, but yeah. I, I could it, it could totally be something else, and I could be completely wrong. But in my mind, I don't know. That's what it means. So. <laughs> That's yeah, what I'm only, sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing that I came up with, and it was a bit of a stretch, but I wanted to put it out there in case anybody else had ever thought of this for Yellow Day. So when you're in love, you know, the, the color red is typically used to represent love. You have the red hearts and Valentine's Day and um, just, you know, the, the, the color symbolizes love. Yellow doesn't necessarily symbolize love. Yellow symbolizes something else, like something a little, little more innocuous, like uh, friendship or happiness, or but not like true feelings of deep love for somebody. So maybe that's the only other thing I could have could be considered as a potential explanation or interpretation of that is a yellow day. If you're in love with somebody. A yellow day maybe isn't so great. Maybe maybe you want to get it to a red day or something like that, and you're stuck in this friend zone that a yellow day represents. It's it's it may be considered a stretch, but I thought it was at least worth um, bringing up in case anybody else had thought of that. Yeah, maybe you know what, and that makes more sense, I guess, in the context of you know, and I don't know, maybe that's maybe where my mind is, but. Um, of the thing I was saying about the, the personal assistant woman. And I think, you know, maybe if she was his personal assistant or whatever, and he wanted to pursue something of that and, you know, and she didn't, and she wanted to keep it professional and keep it like, okay. And that's maybe why she took off because, you know, he, you know, he wanted maybe a little bit more and she didn't. And, and that the yellow thing, maybe saying, yeah, we're, we're kind of stuck in the friend zone or, I mean, it's a every day is a yellow day. That, that now that you mentioned that to me. That's I could I could definitely see that. It's more of a here I am in the friend zone, and I love you, and I love your flowers that you're planting in my yard or your yard, however you want to refer to it. And you know, it's not happening. So. All right, so the third verse then, and it's really the the last verse of uh, completely new lyrics. There was a woman from the ghetto who made funny faces just like Clara Bow. How was I to know that she would wear the same cologne as you and giggle the same giggle that you do? Whenever I would act a fool, the fool were the condition of the heart. 
Okay, so with this third verse now, uh, the thing to note right off the bat is now he's in the first person. So how was I to know? And whenever I would act a fool. So he's re he's replaced referring to himself in the third person with the first person. So that's different. Another thing that's different with this third verse is that he doesn't mention some exotic location in another country. He's talking about a woman from the ghetto. So it kind of gives the impression that he's talking about somebody in his hometown or, you know, the city that he lives in. Um, that's, that's what I get out of that, at least, talking about something local, somebody local. So then he mentions Clara Bow in this verse as well. And for anybody who's not really up on uh, their 20s, 1920s uh, silent movie stars, <laughs> Clara Bow was that. She was the It girl otherwise known as, because I guess she started a movie called It, and she was very popular, so they just called her the It Girl, and kind of kind of stuck, you know, and then it became an off-phrase in our lexicon that we still use today, I guess. Um, kind of cool, but she was a silent film actress, primarily, until, you know, talkies were invented. And so the whole made funny faces, just like like Clara Bow, of course, you have to, to assume that as a silent film star, she had to do a lot of emoting with her face. Oh, yeah. So, you know, funny faces were, or fun, and faces in general were a very important part of acting back then. Of course, yeah. Um, so, with this line, uh, or with this verse, sorry, um, what, besides like what I mentioned with the whole mention of Clara Bow and kind of the callback to this semi obscure, at least from the 1980s to the 1920s, film star and bringing it back locally and mentioning himself in the first person you know do you did you kind of get that as well or anything else out of this first jerry yeah i, I mean i i always again like you I, I did notice that it was suddenly he switched it to the first person and i i never really i guess maybe you know i said he was just dropping the pretense at that point i i don't know and just saying you know here i am you know he was kind of maybe letting prince be prince in a sense or letting him be himself um but strangely enough, I, I and this is every time I hear this, I'm like, I, and I still think of it, it when he refers to the, the woman in the ghetto who made funny faces. And now it's probably it has nothing to do with her, I'm sure. But in my mind, it does because she became like super popular at that point. That was when she kind of took off and became like, a, you know, I remember seeing her her stand up uh, on HBO around the same time. And this is before she became like a real actress, Whoopi Goldberg. Hmm. And I guess those two things just kind of it was like a confluence of things. So to, in my mind, he, he's talking about Whippy Goldberg. Now he probably he probably isn't, but um, I don't. I just you know a woman in the ghetto who made funny faces because I don't know if you know Whippy Goldberg's story, but she was like a you know had a real hard life up until she kind of hit it big, you know, doing stand up and, and stuff like that, and then did movies and and she was a, realistically a woman from the ghetto. Um, and that was her whole, you know, her whole story leading up to, you know, her, her big, like stand up kind of breakthrough. And the more interesting thing too, is that now, again, I had, you know, as like I've said, a 14 year old kid, I really had no idea who Clara Bow was. Right. Um, but and I can tell you this, and this is obviously before Google. So I wanted to know who the hell Clara Bow was. So I went to the library in my school and looked up Clara Bow in the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and read about her and saw a couple pictures of her and now I was like okay now I get what he's kind of talking about you know this woman who can make these very expressive faces and that she was a silent film star so 
Yeah, that was you know that that kind of thing. I mean, you know, how how often do pop songs or you know lead you to you know look up things uh, you know in the library? Not too often. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so I did that, and I, I found out who Clara Bow was, and then again that you know made made perfect sense. So it does make you wonder what movie or movies of Clara's that Prince saw to make him kind of interested enough in her to to reference her in this song. <laughs> yeah, I would wonder. I mean, t- most yeah. certainly. And he obviously saw something or knew something of her to refer to her that, you know, that way. I can definitely say those are two things that I took away from that verse is the fact that, I don't know, I always think of Whoopi Goldberg as who he's referring to, and he's probably not. But And Clara Bow was, you know, obviously made me do a little bit of homework to figure out who the hell she was. And I think yeah. it's kind of cool that a, that a pop song can, you know, can elicit that kind of interest. Yeah, yeah. And so this, this verse is interesting as well because he's not... So he's not really saying that he's in love with the woman from the ghetto who made funny faces just like Clara Bow, right? No, yeah, he's fascinated. I, I, that's he's fascinated I by her, but she her. wears the same cologne as you. And you, who is you? And that's the, that's the big question. You, The you in this verse is the person that he's supposedly singing it to and the right. person that he's got this condition of the heart over. And it's not the woman from the ghetto. The woman from the ghetto just reminded him. Reminded him of... Her, of yeah. Her, being in her presence, I guess, reminded yeah, him of her. And but again, who is you know? There's two uh, two separate women. Obviously, he's talking about in the first two verses. Mm-hmm. Um, which or one of the above? Right? Yeah, which yeah. one is you? Right. Ever again, I said even in the chorus, I think that, that, that he's referring to another woman. So there's three women up until that point. Until we get to this, you know, the third stanza here, or third, you know, part of it. You know, so who? Who is you? Reminds right. me of who is the you? In his mind, it's, it's obviously very clear, but. I don't know. We don't know. We can just assume. <laughs> yeah, all all we can do is just take from this this verse that, you know, there's there's some smell, there's some odor that reminds him that kind of takes him back to, you know, it's like the sensory uh, reminder of of this love that he has, and um, you know, just takes a, just a trigger just like that to smell the same smell that she was wearing and then it kind of brings him right back to this this situation where he's heartbroken again sure. even if he was like having a good day and hadn't even like spent a moment thinking about her um but now you know he met this woman and this woman's wearing this cologne that smells the same as as yours and so now it's like shit now i got a condition of the heart again <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm back to square one thanks back i was having fun listen to this you know funny person and we're hanging out with this funny person and and now suddenly you know yeah and it, honestly i mean I, and i didn't realize it until well probably as as an adult or you know a later age adult how how powerful smell can be as as something that triggers emotions or triggers memories mm-hmm. and um yeah that makes perfect sense here it just really you know just certain smells will boom will instantly at least again, it's I don't know, just the way I am. I don't know if anybody else is the same, but I, from what I've read, it does seem that way. That smell can just almost instantly transport you back to a certain place or time, and it just it like clicks like that in your brain for whatever reason. So I can definitely see that yeah happening here. And as you said, he, yeah, he's back at square one with his condition of the heart, even though he was having fun with this woman who's making goofy faces and stuff. Yeah, he's acting a fool with this woman. Yeah. <laughs> Just having, trying to have a good time, and trying to have a good time, and shit. She smells like you, and yeah. now I'm sad again. 
so then he comes back to the chorus again. The chorus is the same. It's not. It's not sung the same. Um, and the way he sings the chorus the second time. so well in so many songs but i just think this the way he sings the second chorus with the multi-tracked vocals is just brilliant it sounds otherworldly and it takes it definitely takes me where he wants me to go i guess as the listener and that's to like a really emotional place even if i'm not relating necessarily to the heartbreak that he's seen about i can't help but feel what he's what he's wanting us to feel, even though I have no reason to, because it's he's just doing such a great job of 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 putting that in his vocal delivery. And so while the lyrics aren't any different, the way he sings the chorus at the end of the song um, always gets me. And it's just one of the, the highlights of the song for me. Yeah, I mean, it really takes you to, you know, that if you want to call it that, I mean, the, the emotional high, I think, which, which is great. It really, you know, yeah, like you said, you, you're feeling what this man is feeling in, in that moment. And, um, you know, and we're going to get to it. I mean, it, it said it does kind of trail off and then lead you to this, you know, where he kind of, you know, gets you with a little bit of a, a, a gut punch at the end. And, you know, and uh, it gives you the super high and then kind of takes you to the low and, you know, where you're caught up in, you know, how, you know, how fantastic this sounds. And it's like, oh, you're just, you respond to it. And you're like, wow, this is, you know, so good. And, you know, even though it's, you know, you're still singing about things that are sad, but, and then, you know, it just, it just kind of trails off into this, you know, this kind of little epilogue. Yeah, yeah. He starts it off like with the multi-track vocals, but by the time he gets to the last line, I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. It's just just one voice that you're hearing again, and then he he uh, sings it in the falsetto, and he just goes so high, you know, like higher than you can imagine he could go, and then he extends it, you know, he does does the vocal acrobatics where he extends the line, and before the next vocal comes in, right right on top of it practically for the outro and that's with you know bringing it back basically bringing the song full circle at least the lyrical portion of the song full circle by repeating the lines it was a girl in paris whom he sent a letter to hoping she would answer back she never answered back and now he's got a condition of the heart a swirl of emotions and you're right it's the punchline or you want to call it or it's the gut punch it's just kind of it's wrapping it up and it's it's like you know using that technique and you know writing like a story or a short story specifically where you you know it's a callback right you're and, and comedians do the same thing it, you know you're, you're you call back to something you, you mentioned earlier and that's what this is and you know I, I i can't say i mean that i 
at least up until that point in, you know, whatever, 1985, that um, I had ever heard a song do that, where it kind of takes you back, you know, it has this call back to the beginning of the story and, you know, and, you know, really wraps things up in a nice little little package. Maybe it's a sad little package, but it's still totally told the little story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, and to me, well, and you said just more about the lyrics, but I think what, what follows that, you know, that when he trails off at the end there, you know, you hear the, the drum beat that sounds like a heart and, you know, that boom, 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 boom. And then it just kind of like trails off and it's just beautiful. I mean, it really, again, it just kind of, this is just next level shit here. We're saying, like, you know, you're not going to hear this on, you know, people aren't going to play this on the radio. It's like, it's just not that song. And like, it's like, okay, this isn't not like a radio hit. This isn't like, you know, something you're going to knock down into a single. You're not going to do like a dance remix of condition of the heart. And, but still it, it, it definitely has its place in this canon of, you know, great songs and especially great, you know, ballads or love songs that really take you to some, really crazy emotional places and uh, there aren't too many artists that can really do that with a consistent on a consistent level as much as prince did so yeah yeah i mean the first verse mentions the letter that he wrote to the girl in paris hoping she'd answer back but he never says that she didn't answer back until the very end of the song even though one can make a very uh educated guess that she didn't write back or if she did write back it wasn't what he wanted because you know he's lonely and acting out on a whim is only good for a condition of the heart but just to know for him to put it out there whom he sent a letter to and she never answered back oh you know that just <laughs> it just like stabs you in the heart to know that not only did she reject him she just flat out ignored him she never answered back so now he's got a condition of the heart as I said, I don't know if I can relate to that, Jason. <laughs> yeah, right. You can't relate to it at all. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anything in my life has ever... Why am I even on this podcast? I don't even know. Yeah, just go... Just think about it a little harder. See if you can come up with a good story. Uh, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I have... <laughs> no, you, you I don't know if to, I have the strength. You kind of laid yourself bare out earlier in the show, so we'll just... Yeah, that's, that's, you know... Again, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you back, like I was saying. I'm taking you full circle, baby. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> And now you gotta go. You gotta go back and uh, you know lick your wounds and listen to the song before I go to bed tonight. Yeah, I think I got a you know, I think I got a bottle of whiskey here. I need to crawl into. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the the kind of another thing that's cool about the, how this song ends, besides what we've talked about thus far. So the, as I mentioned, this song is followed up by Raspberry Beret, but Prince lets us as the listener take our time with this before jumping right into like this really kind of fun poppy upbeat song sure totally. i don't know how many seconds but i feel like there's a good solid 15 20 seconds of just silence at the end of the song before we get to raspberry beret maybe it just feels like that i might have to go back and actually count the seconds but it, it takes a while and which is great because it really kind of allows us to take it all in and just catch our breath before he kicks us, you know, in the ass with Raspberry Beret. Yeah. It's funny you say that because now that I'm thinking about it and, and um, what you're saying there at the end, it kind of makes sense. But I remember distinctly, again, on the first kind of listen through the, the whole album, now that you're saying that, I because it's kind of silent in the beginning of the song, too. And I remember distinctly thinking, like, all right, what, and, like, listening to it and then, ha- like, turning it way up. 
Like it's like what is he? Is something happening? It's like, and then it's suddenly you know suddenly the music and it's like oh okay something is happening. Like thinking you know that in the, especially in the beginning that it, there was nothing kind of something is you know something going on what's going on and it was really kind of quiet and then it builds obviously until you know he starts singing and then it gets a bit you know more you know reserved or quiet again. But um, yeah, now that you, know, you said that, that, I remember distinctly doing that when I first listened. You know, turning it up, thinking. Is there is somebody playing something? And it's like this kind of really light, you know, guitar and piano. And it's, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, there's... So I had to, like, yeah, turn it up a bit to understand that, yeah, there's a song going on here. All right. Well, I think we've we've done Condition of the Heart justice. Um, now we're both in our feelings a little bit. And a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should should end it here. So um, any last thoughts, any last comments you wanted to make, Jerry? Uh, not really. I mean, it's, yeah, I said, you know, if anybody who's a casual Prince fan listening to this and maybe hasn't gotten into the, the deeper cuts uh, on some of his albums or maybe kind of, you know, glossed over them or fast forwarded over them um, in the past, I, I think this is one you should definitely revisit because it, you know, it, it really, a man who could write such incredible emotional ballads um you can name you know you both you and i i'm sure could name uh, you know a dozen off the top of our heads but in my mind i think this is the the, the best of them um you know I, I think a door would be a close second but this one is you know pretty much right there at the you know at the top of uh his kind of love song repertoire yeah i i agree i just adore this song i adore it so i i listen to it often even sometimes as the only song i might listen to from this album I love it so much. So I'm on the same page as you, that's for sure. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me, Jerry. Why don't you go take care of that uh, condition of the heart, feed it some whiskey and sleep, and see how you feel in the morning. <laughs> Dr. Hey. Jason. Jack, Dr. Jason. And that's, your, that's your prescription? All right. Thanks, yep. doctor. <laughs> All <laughs> maybe, right. Maybe I wanted a prescription from Dr. Fink. Not you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go get Dr. Fingha on the next uh, podcast that we're on, and he can, he can describe whatever it is that you need. You better. All right. Well, this has been the Press Rewind of Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. I wanted to thank Jerry Bonner again. Jerry, do you have anything you wanted to, um, any place in social media you wanted to point people to? Anything that you're doing? Yeah, just, you know, just... Uh, my Twitter, you know, where I, I talk about various things, you know, sometimes Prince related, sometimes not. It's at uh, jbonner71. Um, you know, that's my main social media outlet these days. So check me out there if you're interested. And, uh, you know, I love to discuss any and all the topics we discussed here in this uh, rather lengthy and sad podcast. So there yes. you go. <laughs> yes, yes. We've been on a while, haven't we? <laughs> a all bit. right. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's a, it's a great song and it deserves time. All right, well, thanks again, and until next time, goodbye.